the two words warrior and fighter. So when you think of those two words, you think roughly the same thing, right? Aren't they synonyms for each other? And, right. Um, are we talking about the same thing? But I think there's a very distinctive difference between those two words, and it's centered in um, the words love and fear. Uh, so I like to denote a warrior as somebody who's living their life and making their decisions based out of love. And the word fighter is somebody who's doing the exact opposite. Their, their life basis and predominance of the decisions that they're making in their life is based out of fear of something, whether it's rejection or abandonment or comparison or all those things we talked about in the previous um, episode about love and fears, how they're making their decisions in life. Hello and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I am your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm your other co-host, Zach Levy. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell. And I'm your other co-host, Zach Levy. Thank you for joining us today and spending your time with us. And we also have Zach's uh, wife, Megan, joining us today uh, to discuss an important topic. We're going to continue on uh, from our last episode where we talked um, about the most fundamental choice that human beings make in their life, and that is... um, in every decision, what is the basis of the response to the decision? Is it based in love or is it based in fear? And that we as human beings, our journey in life is to, to overcome our fears um, and find ourselves in a, a center spot, if, if you will, of living nothing but love in our lives. And eventually, as our souls try to evolve into unconditional love, I don't know that any human being ever really achieves that of getting to unconditional love, but it's something that we all strive for um, in our life. Um, So we're going to talk today, our topic for today is how does um, it show up in the world? If If we're making decisions in our life and it's either based in love or based in fear, um, How does that actually show up? How can we recognize it um, when we see it in somebody else? And so the analogy I like to use in that is um, the two words, warrior and fighter. So when you think of those two words, you think roughly the same thing, right? Aren't they synonyms for each other? Right. um, Are we talking about the same thing? But I think there's a very distinctive difference 
between those two words, and it's centered in um, the words love and fear. Uh, so I like to denote a warrior as somebody who's living their life and making their decisions based out of love. And the word fighter is somebody who's doing the exact opposite. Their, their life basis and predominance of the decisions that they're making in their life is based out of fear of something, whether it's rejection or abandonment or comparison or all those things we talked about in the previous um, episode about love and fears, how they're making their decisions in life. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. So what, what, what do you guys think about those two words when you hear them, warrior and fighter? Well, for me, if you think warrior, it's more of the prestiged, if you will, almost in the Japanese culture, the samurai. The there's, samurai, yes. There's a ton mm -hmm. of honor involved. There's a ton of discipline. There's a ton of just, again, they live life with a purpose. They have a code of honor and are very, very strict to that code. Whereas if I think fighter, I'm thinking street fighter or somebody that is always looking for a brawl or all no code of honor, no code of ethics, just it's just about winning. Right. Just it's all about me and all nothing costs. about you. Right. Exactly. Right. So, um, whereas a warrior, if you take even, um, you know, special forces in the United States military, right. Mm -hmm. There's a code there. It is, is country and team first. There's, based out of love for others and love for country is why they fight, but they don't fight just for the sake of fighting or out of fear. Whereas a fighter, I mean, they're, they're a ticking time bomb right? because there's that fear, there's that pressure, there's the mostly fear of the unknown and what they don't know. Right. Yeah. The way I see it is the, the warrior has a purpose for what they're doing. Um, a purpose behind their battle and the fighter is just for pure destruction. No main purpose, no heart behind it, just fight and be done. Yeah. But behind that, behind that fight is um, an ego or a facade oh, that's saying uh, I'm not worthy or some other issues that's inside that I have to fight this way to prove myself or right. be the kingpin or, well, back Whatever to kind of nature. Recap the discussion of the love versus fear. The fear-based life is all about protecting ego, protecting an image, protecting right. a reputation, from rejection. Right? right. So, um, I think that's dead on. All right. So, um, I, I want to build upon your samurai piece because mm -hmm. uh, for the purpose of our discussion today, I want to sort of use that kind of framework in our discussion, right? So whether it's um, a kingdom that's led by a samurai or, you know, go back to like the, the medieval European kind of days where you have a you have a king and a queen and they have their kingdom um, kind of basis and they're surrounded by other kingdoms, mm -hmm. right? right? So let's use that as our <clears throat> framework, if you will, the the frame, uh, the, the main analogy or framework we're going to use in our discussion here. So the bulk of our episode today is going to be talking about, uh, we're going to tackle fear first and how does it show up in various um, areas of our life and then 
move over to um, the love side, the warrior side, and how does it show up both in life and in business? So let's start with the uh, fighter side. And we sort of are already discussed some of these things. What are some of the characteristics um, of a fighter, somebody that's living in fear, right? We talked about reputation. We talked about it's about winning. It's not about anything else. It's not about empathy or compassion or anything to each other. It's about who's sitting on top of the pile, right? Right. Almost the narcissistic mindset, if you will. Right. Um, self, self-centered. And you can see it in all different roles. I mean, the, the one who is always putting others down or even bullies bullies they say it in a joking manner but always sliding others to elevate themselves to protect that ego right um or using others as scapegoats or anything like that typically short-tempered right Mm -hmm. um very easy to agitate and the the type of person or you know get into this or the type of boss that you got to walk on eggshells all the time because if, if they're not pleased, then everything explodes. And you could also say there's sort of know-it-alls. Right. If it's not my idea, then it's not, it's not worth anything because I'm, I'm the kingpin around here. And so, therefore, um, if it's not my idea, then we're not even going to consider it. Right. Right. Nobody else, because I'm the kingpin and above everybody else, then... Nobody else's opinion matters because it's not going to be worth worth anything. There's no worth in what what you're willing to contribute or be creative in or anything of that nature because it's it's all about me. It's all about me right. protecting my ego, um, kind of basis. What other characteristics or behaviors? I definitely say insecurity. insecurity. <clears throat> There's a lot of insecurities that come with inside. Inside, yeah, yeah, internal insecurities. Because um, typically, what's going on on the inside is what comes out in our actions. And so that fighter person who's living in fear, that insecurity is going to come out in that nature. So uh, just to put a caveat in this whole discussion, um, there is a possibility that somebody who's living in, living in fear goes the total opposite route, right? They become uh, introverted. They right. don't engage with the world. Um, they're people pleasers. Um, they're afraid of what other people think think about themselves, and so they'll say or do anything to try and get um, love and favor from other people to fill up the hole that's right. within themselves mm-hmm. because they have fear inside their life. So um, I wanted to at least acknowledge that piece of it. Um, of it's not going to be the main part of the discussion, but there is um, going going that possible route um, when you're living in fear. Um, that is one characteristic or set of behaviors. Right. Typically, um, we don't discuss that as much as the other side because they're not really. They're not. The visual visual is that they're not really hurting others, you know, because they're trying to people please and so forth and so on that um, it, it doesn't have the same picture or show up as uh, as big of a problem in society as the as the going the other route but then typically does, never but, live out a purpose or a why so it's still the same as a fighter it's just a fight to no end 
Right. I mean, you're still not contributing what you have to offer to the world. It's it's more of a, a vacuum, if you will, that right. yeah. uh, just doesn't live itself out um, the way it's intended to. But it's like I said, it's not oftenly discussed because you're not the, the visual is you're not harming other people uh, physically in other ways. Uh, but in the end, you know, you're also not contributing to the world. So the world still the world still loses out, even though it doesn't make the evening news, right? right. So to speak. Yep. And uh, I think so. It needs to be. It needs to be at least mentioned. Yeah, and I think that that characteristic and that set of behaviors, um, if we're talking male female perspective, that's I see that more on the female side. Mm-hmm. Um, just succumbing to what's happening in their lives and just trying to please people and not externally showing, you know, an aggressive fear. It's very submissive fear. Right. Well, we're going to get into that in a minute. We're going to talk about the, <clears throat> right. how it manifests itself differently in mm-hmm. uh, men and women. Um, so if we go back to our analogy with the, with the kingdom, if you had a king and queen that was, um, in fighter mode instead of warrior mode, how does that how does it show up from like a leadership, um, rule mindset kind well, of basis? One, they're going to rule by fear. I mm-hmm. mean, you look mm-hmm. at um, through the old English monarchies and everything, all the executions. If you stepped out of line, you're executed, or if you challenge the thinking of the monarch of the leader. You're put to death or in jail or, you know, basically projecting that fear as a, in through physical fear by mm-hmm. your subordinates. Yeah. In the modern day and age, we say like a dictator, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They displace fear into and onto their people. Mm-hmm. Right. And seemingly the, the, uh, the conquerors that just, have a war path and burn the war path to take over. Like a Napoleon or, right. yeah. or something where well, that's where, you know, Napoleon syndrome, right? He was a little man. He wanted to conquer the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, go a little bit further into history. You take an Adolf Hitler. He had a ton of issues himself, but everything that he said was the, was human perfection. He didn't even possess himself because he was trying to cover that up to maintain an ego. Right. Live out of fear of people finding out. Well, just going back to medieval days, you're you're not ever satisfied with what your kingdom is, right? So you right. have to go to neighboring kingdoms and go into battle and try and possess more and more land, more and more riches. There's never there's never a satisfaction, right? Because right. because the fear is constantly living inside yourself over and over and over again. It never gets satisfied, so you have to keep conquering, keep conquering, thinking that you're going to replace uh, the love in your heart that's missing with physical possessions and other things um, in life. Right. Right? Um, Kind of basis, and it's, you know, I hear a lot of conversation in society about... um, People that are very wealthy, they spend a lot of time working and working and so forth, and they get themselves wealthy. And then you sit down and have an open, honest conversation. They just say, I'm just, I don't feel, yeah, I've got 
four sports cars outside and a right. ten room man- a mansion, ten bedroom mansion, and so forth. But I feel totally They're empty. empty. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and it's to a large extent fear's been been running their life. They've been charging on, charging on, charging on as a fighter. Uh, obviously, it's not in a against the law kind of fighting, but it's still fighting life working in the business world to collect all these riches and so forth, and yet they feel unfulfilled. Um, and they may be stepping over people or stepping on people or uh, negotiating bad deals for the other person and so forth uh, in their efforts to climb the wealth ladder, so to speak, and get you know get on top of that wealth pile, um, so to speak. When I, you know, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen the businessmen met them that, you know, their entire goal through their working career was to amass as much wealth as quickly as possible so they could just stop working. Their entire goal was just to stop working. There was no other point of value that they wanted to generate. There was nothing they wanted to contribute to the world besides just this is my why is a mass wealth to, so I can not work. And yeah. It's then, all a, it's all a, a me, right? me, 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 me kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you meet them and they're not working and their life looks really good. Like we said, they've got the Ferraris and the, you know, 10,000 square foot mansion and whatnot. And they're the unhappiest people we've ever met. They're grumpy. They treat everybody horribly with, you know, Oh, I'm better than you. And just look down their nose at people and they're just miserable if you dig down to it. But on the other hand, I've also met people in business that there's, they're not still in business because they need to make more money, but it's because they want to make the world a better place. Yeah. So save that thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're purpose driven. They save that thought for when we get into the love Mm -hmm. uh, and warrior section um, type piece of it. So uh, let's talk about, um, we're going to get into the differences between men and women um, and outcomes of that type of uh, behavior and decision-making. Um, we've sort of t- touched a little bit about, in, in general, regardless if you're a man or woman, what how, how those type outcomes occur in the world. So from, from a, um, a male perspective... What does living a life of fear and making decisions based off of fear instead of love look like? How, do, how does that show up in the world from a male perspective? Hmm. I think it's the, if you will, the stereotypical Napoleonic male leader, whether it be family situation, business situation, whichever context you want to put it in. But the verbally abusive, the the dictator, I mean, the projector that I'm all powerful, I'm all knowing, I know everything, it's my way or the highway. If you disagree with me, then you can leave or worse, you know, um, and it's a very inflammatory fear based behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the key word? Keywords control, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I want to control. I want to control things. I want to control people. I want to control behaviors. Control uh, so so that those fears don't show up 
inside of me that I don't right. feel those fears, right? The right. lack of vulnerability. Lack of vulnerability. Um, right. Having to have a Superman or a hard image mm-hmm. without being transparent. Yeah. So what's the what's the main quote weapon unquote of choice for men? Ego. That's it. Uh, you can you can go beyond that. Ego, pride. Um, How about violence? How violence, about f- yeah. physical? Yeah, dominance. physical dominance mm-hmm. and aspects. Right. Yep. This is where we start talking about um, gangs and violence, um, um, crimes, uh, trying to control a woman, and you get into abuse and rape, mm-hmm. um, and all those topics that show up on the evening news. Yep. Every night, because you're li- you're living in a life of fear, and you want to control the situation so that that fear um, doesn't show up. You don't you don't feel it. I'm I'm going to intimidate you and make you mm-hmm. feel the fear, and so forth instead of me. Right. Um, from that basis, it's almost being afraid of facing the fear, so overcompensating, overcorrecting, which just creates. A path of destruction, right? So, and that's that's where that's where the the outcomes. You talk about outcomes with that kind of basis, right? You have victims whose lives get changed forever because of actions you're doing based out of your fear, right? Well, and just for the you know sake of visual and being able to visualize that person, it's that guy that goes out to a bar always looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. for no reason. It's you against the world. Right. Everybody's out to get me, so I have to be the the alpha male of everybody, and um, I'm going to prove that through physicality and violence, and you know, hate everybody and show absolutely zero love. So, all right, let's talk about um, on the female side. What uh, a woman who's living. Um, uh, I'm going to do a caveat to this. A woman who's living an abnormal, abnormal sensor level of fear. We know that um, women have an inherent built-in sort of in the DNA kind of sense of fear when it comes to physical safety and so forth. But I'm talking about going beyond what is, for lack of a better word, normal. Right. What's sort of built into the, the DNA of a woman kind of basis if uh if a woman has fear of um comparison or judgment and in um absence um appearance in their life or those type uh or or lack of love self-esteem how does how does that show up in terms of behaviors in women i think it shows up a lot in words because women don't inherently physically fight. There are some, of course, there's always going to be exceptions, but I don't think it's a physical thing for women. Mm-hmm. I think it's the words that come out of our mouths. Um, because, I mean, being a woman, I can be honest, we say some pretty hurtful things. And it is out of a fear, out of a, a place where it's, you know, insecurity, self-doubt things like that, um, where we displace it on others through the words that we say. Um, and I think that's kind of, uh, it can be kind of not 
super aggressive, but it does strike pretty hard. Um, and I think it's just realizing that that is out of a fear. And I don't think that many people face that. Well, when, when we're living in a life of fear, we always go to our, our weapons and our strengths, right? right? So the, the strengths for a man is actual physical right. strength, size, mm-hmm. those type things. Um, logic. Right. You know. I think we also... For the, for the females, the emotional mm-hmm. side, right? Yeah. Like you said, it's yep. the words, it's the emotions. Yep. I'm going to out, out, quote, outsmart you through the emotional right. piece of life. Yep. And then after those words, it tends to turn into shutting people out and just, you know, it's almost that, you know, silent treatment, if you will. You know what I mean? After those Mm -hmm. words come out, then it's kind of just completely, um, I guess, letting people stay away from them or not really away from them, but shutting people out and bringing up a really hard wall. Um, after those words have been spoken. What about gossip? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's spreading, a big one. Spreading falsehoods. Yep. Or- yep. That's the thing, you know, guys, they, they'll punch each other in the face and prove who's the alpha male. And, you know, you hear the stereotypical, I, I love the stereotypical Southern woman, if you will. Um, the, oh, you know, I love her, but. <laughs> right, right. There's right. always a but. So, yeah. Um, and then you've even got females. You see that they they take on the male traits of that inflammatory physicality as well, like Megan said. So, but well, there's a you know to go into the extreme. There's uh, verbal abuse. There's um, uh, attacking character mm-hmm. through words. Um. Type things that I think you would see more out of a, a female than a male uh, kind of basis uh, when they're trying to control, when they're trying to, you know, deal with, I got fears inside of me, but I want to project that fear onto you. So you mm-hmm. own that instead of me. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, Megan, it comes out with the words, comes out with um, hitting the character um, of the person. Because that's our that's our weapon. Yep. You know, their strength is the motions and the words, and that's mm-hmm. what we as human beings tend to go to when we're in fear, trying to trying to defend ourselves and control the situation so that we're not having to feel that fear or address it in our lives. All right, uh, let's let's move over to the business life. Somebody who's living in a in a life of fear, regardless if they're they're a man or woman. Uh, how does that show show itself in the business world, particularly when it comes to leadership? I think it'll sh- end up showing up a lot in the um, the morals and ethics of how their business is run, because that that fearful fighter is going to do anything at all costs, whether it's morally or ethically right or not. Well, and every move they make is going to, again, be to benefit them. Right. Not necessarily their sales force, their people, their workers, their staff. Mm-hmm. Um, because having been in the corporate world before, I've, I've, I've had those types of owners or 
managers, right? Where, you know, do this or, or you see them, you know, change something within a pay structure or you, an employee goes in and says, Hey, I don't think this is right. And they go, Oh no, that, you know, um, you know, that's just the way it is to benefit them. And it's very, very clear that they're the only one winning out of that deal. Um, and then when somebody challenges that or some, something comes to challenge them winning and the benefit of them solely, it, it's basically all hell breaks loose. It's everybody in an office can hear them yelling at somebody. I've, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, or the passive aggressiveness. I mean, some would say that... Um, bold straight up aggressiveness is less hurtful than the passive aggressiveness um in situations because at least you can face it head on <laughs> but it's just it's it's the dictatorship it's the abusive boss or the or aunt, or, yeah. or non-caring boss right exactly right yeah. this is about me i don't care about what your development of an employee is i don't care about your engagement with me you know it's yeah. and in in certain sense it's almost like you're trying to carry the whole unit on your shoulders it's like mm-hmm. yeah. in order to get that recognition um and probably promotion and so forth that i'm going to carry a lot on my shoulders so that, that i have an ability to walk in my boss's office and said well i did all the work it's all about me it's all about me I, don't, don't look at my team i'm the one that did all the work right um, yeah. kind of basis so it does put a lot of a lot of burden on you and probably a lot of hours because of that because you're trying to lift the whole unit or team upon your shoulders and carry it yourself in the hopes that you'll get recognized and move forward as opposed well, I think to the, a team effort. If we were to give it a single word, a you know, in a way, the micromanager. Yes. So the one that's breathing down somebody's neck and saying, no, 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 you have to do it just this way, just this way. Never mind, I'll do it. As well as taking credit for other people's work. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you are the leader. Well, I'm, I'm the leader of the team. I'm the one responsible for all this. So I should get all the credit, even yeah. though I might have other team members that contributed to it. Yeah. Right. And I think, unfortunately, this form of leadership shows up far too much in the corporate America world. Um. Because you wouldn't, yes. you know, yeah. because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have all of the, oh, you're in your fifties or sixties. Um, we're going to get rid of you and hire a younger, cheaper model. You know, you wouldn't have that. Um, you wouldn't have just, oh, well, we just, we got to manage payroll. So we're cutting your hours or we're cutting a certain number of employees. So that way we, as the leaders of a company can continue to make what we're making. Well, and I can speak to that being, having been in corporate management before you're trained to look out for your bonus first, you're trained to look out for your P and L first. They tell you in a certain company I worked for before, don't get close with your people, Mm -hmm. right? They want you to see them almost as a pawn. It it seems like, um, and you know, it, it, it's an employee coming to you and saying, hey, my kid has a school event or my kid's sick. And you say, oh, sorry, I can't give you that off. I still need you to work. I'm going to have to write you up. Or if you take that time off, I'm cutting your hours next week or the very worst, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to fire you. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that from a uh, from a CEO level. Mm-hmm. 
um, you're, you're in charge of the whole company. You're setting the tone. You're setting the direction. When you start making decisions out of fear, um, not only do you want all the recognition and carrying the whole company on your shoulders per se, but you also have a fear of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. a fear out of your board of directors. Um, it's it's all about the bottom line. Well, you hear and, it all the time. And when you and issue. if things get into a, a pickle, what what happens if if you're you're wanting to be in control all the time? Uh, you start starts leading to layoffs. Starts leading to people are expendable. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of thoughts. It's it's all about the bottom line in Wall Street. It's all about um, if you're Simon Simon Sinek fan like myself. It's all about the finite game, and we'll have a whole episode yep. about the finite versus infinite game mm-hmm. uh, piece that Simon's mm-hmm. been preaching. But it's um, it's all about the fear that the what I'm getting judged on, judged by as a leader and a CEO of a company is how well is that is that bottom line. That's the only thing that only thing that matters doesn't matter how i treat people or how you know any other um key performance indicators within your company it's just about your cash flow and your stock price and and those type pieces and that's um that's living out of fear when you've heard the saying i mean from management and they're not exactly happy with the decision that the executives made or that the CEO made and well, you know, they've got to answer to the shareholders. Yep. So the, the shareholders are more important than the people who are actually running the show. Right. So, and that's where fear-based management comes in. And typically, I mean, it, it won't necessarily lead to failure. I mean, clearly there's plenty of companies that, do well. Yeah, but at what cost? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the cost to get exactly you there. Right. Yeah. That's the issue. It's not... Um, and what what culture could you create if it... On the next point down, but if you were running a love-based organization, not a fear-based. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe if, it, it might not cause failure, but it definitely stunts what could be how much greater something can be, how much more right. of a value add there could be in any context. Well, you start running running into the risk of uh, disruptors coming into your marketplace and you're not paying attention to it because you're just incrementally growing the company because um, you're always worried about the revenues that have been coming in, right? That's, right. The, that's the golden egg is your current customer base and your revenues and you're all worried about that and you can't lose that um kind of basis and so you take your eye off of what's going on in the industry what's going on in the overall marketplace and where they're just like you said zach the opportunities for uh, adjacent industries or whatever that you could leverage your your assets or other uh, intellectual property or whatever to go use and go capture that piece because you're so worried and watching that bottom line all the time you're just doing this incremental march down the road and, and you're losing potential for right. even greater revenues and greater purpose in the world because you're just making decisions out of fear. Well, I think a great example of that, and most people have saw this happen, um, again, fear 
creates ego or pride mm-hmm. and a know-it-all mentality know-it-all. Yep. that this, this is, this is the right way. This is the only way. Well, Netflix offered to sell to Blockbuster. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was a very small amount, relatively speaking to what Netflix is valued at now. Mm-hmm. And Blockbuster, again, out of ego and pride, oh, that'll never, no, 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 that this is the only way this will work. And they missed a multi-billion dollar opportunity out of fear. Right. And, and take that on a smaller scale, you're a boss and you have an employee that walks in with who's trying to be creative and has a mm-hmm. great, wonderful idea. And you, you approach the whole conversation with the mentality, if it didn't come from me, then it isn't worth a darn. Yeah. So to speak, and all of a sudden that great idea that may have increased your revenues by twenty percent go out the door mm-hmm. because you, your your ego and your pride and your fear based decisions in your life won't won't let you listen, won't provide that opportunity for conversation, try and draw out that idea and, and press it along. Right. And I think, you know, the big big thing is that that style of leadership and business is only, I guess, to go back to the name of our podcast, they're only generating value in a monetary way, not in people's lives, not right. generating true value, but just they're just looking at how can I how can I generate more money for me? Um, so let's move out, uh, move along, um, get out of the business world. Let's talk about from a parenting perspective how what does uh, how do parent parenting styles and uh, behaviors look like with somebody's making decisions out of fear well and i've always you know we've always talked about parenting and business leadership can go hand in hand mm-hmm. um because a family is run a lot like a business or should be and a business should be run like a family where in a fear-based leadership, and I'm always amazed when I see parents that don't do this, that handle it really well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the fear-based parent being the always yelling at their kids, always, you know, immediately going to physical punishment mm-hmm. or um, not really teaching a lesson. Just you don't do that because you're. I'm going to project my fear to you to make you respect me out of fear, not out of understanding, not out of any value, just you screw up, you get the belt. Right. Or even sometimes it goes a complete opposite swing and there's neglect. You get the bad parents that their kids just run all over them Mm -hmm. or they don't even have a relationship with their kid because they're fearful of losing what they know and losing a type of lifestyle or giving anything up that they're comfortable with. Yeah, because maybe out of their own upbringing, they had f- fear. Now that they're in a parental role, going back to earlier comments, um, they're wanting the love of their kids, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to want to feel like they're a good mom or dad, and they're getting love from the kids. So just like you said, they let the kids step all over themselves. Right. Um which is actually ends up being in some cases neglect because they're, they're afraid they're going to harm their child in some way because they got harmed in their own childhood. Um, so once again, you have those two extremes, right? They're either mm-hmm. the, either their parents that are very 
child pleasing and spoil their kids. Oh, oh, you want ice cream? Sure, have an ice cream. Whatever. All yeah. the time, all I, the time. Yeah, right? the, there's no, there's never a no mm-hmm. in their vocabulary. And then there's the the opposite side where you're projecting fear, you're controlling the situation all the time because of the own fear that's inside uh, inside of yourself that you're just trying to make this kid just walk this straight line and, and make like my life fear. easier, right? Don't bring up the fears inside of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want a peaceful, joyful life and you're going to toe the line, so to mm-hmm. speak, in this household so you don't ever bring those fears up, right? Yeah. I'm going to make you walk on eggshells and, all the time. And you're going to do what I want you to do, not what you want to do whatsoever, you know, you get the, you know, parents that their kids may be more creative, more artistic than athletic, but they force them into sports because they don't understand creative. They just, that's the life they live and that's what they want their kids. Right. Right. Um, kind of limiting free will or free thought even. Yeah. It's a controlling aspect. Right. All right. So I think that's a, that's enough about fear. I don't want to give fear any more attention than <laughs> to see fear removed from the world but anyway let's move to love let's talk about the the warrior aspect so that was the fighter aspect um in terms of a of a model so to speak so let's talk about the warrior what what are some characteristics and behaviors of people that live a warrior life that the predominance of the decisions they make in their life are based in love I think they have a defined purpose for their life. They tend to have more of a growth mindset. Absolutely. They have a tendency to um, be introspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they've definitely done a lot of self-discovery, self-diving you know, diving into what's internally them and figuring out, okay, what's my purpose and how do I live that out? Mm-hmm. Well, and they tend to be more support, supportive of other people. They know yes. how having those kind of um, behaviors and mindsets in their own life brings joy and happiness into their life. They want that for others, right? So right. they're going to be supportive of other people's efforts to, to do the same in their own life. Right? So if we go back to that noble, noble king and queen, if you have this kingdom of people that are working the working the property and the in the farms and generating value so to speak uh in the kingdom through growing and selling the vegetables and raising cows and whatever you know if we go back to the medieval days type basis then you as a king and queen are trying to create an environment in your kingdom that supports all that you're putting infrastructure in place you're putting policies and standards and so forth that people will love and respect each other. And we're going to create an environment where people can have farms and whatnot and be able to put food on their own table and live a joyful, happy life. Right. So I'm still, I'm still King. I'm still queen. I'm still have the power, the responsibility to set those standards and values. So don't, don't mistake that. Don't (laughs) push me you know, some place where I have to go outside of that as king or queen, then I'm, then I'm going to do something about it. But that's not generally how day-to-day-to-day, you know, kind of life goes within right. the kingdom. I think it, it it is the, it's 
the other's first leadership. It goes into servant leadership mm-hmm. um, to where, you know, it, it's their people eat first, if you will. Or, or leaders eat last. Exactly. Which is another Simon Sinek book. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure that enough people get what they want, then they can get what they want. Right. Um, again, going back to generating value instead of the fear based is extracting value. Right. It's just like right. a bank account. That bank account is going to be empty if you make all the withdrawals and no deposits. Mm-hmm. So um, I love making those deposits, making those deposits, making those deposits. And then there's plenty of value there for everybody. Yeah. So from um, just keep it on the leadership theme standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, leaders that are making decisions out of love are coming from from what 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 part of their life or what part of their body their heart their heart right there there is there's still some work you know you still have to be logical in nature in in your business decisions but the main driver is from your heart um if you want a great resource on that there's a, a gentleman out there uh wrote a book that's now being used in a lot of business university business schools called lead from the heart. Uh, Mark Crowley is his Mm -hmm. name. Um, He has a podcast. I've done um, a number of interactions with him on Twitter. Uh, Just a great um, human being and is really trying to push uh, more leading from the heart in business. Um, out there, he keeps beating that drum, and I'm trying to, to join in in with that drum. But I highly recommend you tune into his podcast or pick up his book. When I first read the book, I bought about six copies of it the next day, <laughs> and I've handed it out to people on my team or or people I've mentored um, as as something that they should be looking at. All right, what other uh, behaviors, outcomes, just in general in life? Does a person making mm-hmm. how do they show up in the world? Walking down the street or um engaging engaging with society, how do they show up? What kind of behaviors do you see? Well, one, they're looking to benefit others first. So always looking for a reason to they're the, well, they're the chipper person that's always talking to everybody or very um, mayorly, if you will. Um, they tend to be uh, present in the moment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not trying to control anything. They just want engagement. They're they're asking questions to try and understand who you are as a human being mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how is it that I might be able to, in a simple interaction on the corner of a street, generate some value in right. your life. Right. And they right. provide a lot of positivity, mm-hmm. typically. Mm-hmm. Go back to your example, Megan, in the last episode there, the ones that bend over and pick up the spilled yeah, grocery bag. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing without hesitation. Yep. Right. Well, and then from a leadership perspective, it's outcomes of warriors create other leaders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just dictate, go do this, go do this, go do this, but helping them understand back to a few episodes ago the why behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and really helping them, helping duplicate that why and find their own why and living it out through that, creating other leaders that that can 
you know, actually multiply through it. It, it creates a much more growth minded culture. Yeah. And I think that that type of leader, um, their criticism is constructive, not destructive. And right. I think that's a big key because without constructive criticism, it's hard to grow because you have to learn from your mistakes. But that's the difference is that this type of leader is going to say, hey, we made a mistake. Here's how we make it better. The other one is just going to, you know, the fear-based one is just going to say, oh, you screwed up. See you later. Or, mm-hmm. oh, you screwed up. Why'd you do that? It. Why'd you do that? Go fix it. There's no, hey, let's figure it out together. Well, there's no empathy or compassion no. as part of the conversation, exactly. right? Um, okay, let's let's um, go down the track of uh, man versus woman in this. So a man who's um, a warrior and, and predominance of his decisions are being made in love. How does that show up in the world? What does that look like? So if, out of fear, we're using our strengths of um, physicality mm-hmm. and whatever to go out and have certain behaviors. How do we – what's what's the opposite of that? We're making love decisions. Well, we still have our strengths, right? Mm-hmm. Those haven't changed. So how, how is it different? I think it's, you know, being more vulnerable, not putting up that hard shield so you can show those you're leading true self and connect Showing more, Showing more of your heart. Showing more of your heart, even right? though even though it might not be your strength. Right. You know, well, for men. most men, it's, I mean, personally, that's something I've had to work on a hundred times over that I still work on every single day. You know, it's um, having a background and growing up in a family where the men were hard and never showed emotion. Now they, they do, it's changed. Um, life does that, right? Mm-hmm. Learning lessons, but... Um, seeing just you've got to put on this image and um growing up in somewhat of a harder household that that's what happens but then to actually lead through love is connecting with your people being vulnerable telling telling about your failures to kind of speak to others even from a leadership perspective saying hey i'm not perfect yeah so Two of my favorite words in the world that I talk quite a bit about are very simple words. They're the words and and or, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're living, if you're if you're a male trying to live out a um, a life of mission and purpose, you know, which is the masculine trait, and you're living a life of fear, then you're using the word or else a lot. <laughs> it's either me or you. Yeah. Right. It's either this or that. Yeah. It's black and white. It's, it's black and white. There's no gray. There is no gray. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody that's living through a, a life of love, it's about and. I'm still going to live my mission and purpose in life. I'm still going in this direction with my life, with whatever my purpose or why is. But it's, and I want you to come along with me. Yeah. I think this mission and this purpose in life is going in this direction and I'm going to do things that are benevolent or good for the world. I'm going to go generate value in this world. And Hey, I want you to join me in that effort. Yeah. I it's, think the, it's me and you and you and you and you and together, um, you know, in a parental world, it's 
yeah, I have a mission and purpose with this family. I'm going to be the match, you know, the masculine trait in this family. And I want you, my wife, and I want you as my child, mm-hmm. and I want you as my child to, to go along with me in this effort to go through life and go generate as a family, go generate value in each other's lives as well as out in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's very much an and, 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 and. I'm always looking for the and. Where's the win-win? The whole designation, if you will, that phrase of win-win is about a win for you and a win for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and is a word that's predominant in that mm-hmm. aspect uh, as opposed to the word or. Because or is about separation, uh, which you don't mind if you're going out to figure out what restaurant, what type of food you want for dinner. Yeah, sure. Do you, do you, do you, want, do you want barbecue or <laughs> right. Thai? Or, or well, whatever kind of and, basis, or well, and but you know, you know what I'm saying. It, it, yeah. It's not to say there's not spots for or, but when you're when you're talking about the bigger things within life, um, and is such a more powerful word than or, and, and denotes uh, you're choosing love in a decision, right? Yeah, and I think that allows for the man's power tendencies, the powerfulness to be used in such a good way because they can use their empowerment to empower others. Yes. That and empowering others with them instead of projecting their power in a negative way on people, mm-hmm. they use it in a positive way to build them up. And, and guess what? If you use the and and you, you're leading from the heart and you're showing some vulnerability, particularly for a man, and people can see that they're then able to say, oh, you're, you are a human. You are like me from that basis. And mm-hmm. that's when inspiration can start to show up in the relationship and in the business world that, hey, uh, from your stories that you've told about yourself and the vulnerability you've shown, I've seen that you are a human with some empathy and compassion just like I am, and I want to follow you. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. be inspired by mm-hmm. you. I want to go – contribute in your efforts in that mission or purpose or whatever it is for the company mm-hmm. or in your life or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they can see that growth in that person from those, you know, sharing those vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. They can see the growth that, that person has made. They can also see that person's confidence that's developed out of that. And confidence is attractive for a lot of people. Yes. So the and continues. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we hear about all the time how um, confidence is attractive for in a, uh, as a woman sees a man, but it's also the exact opposite mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Um, it's not it's not talked as much about in society, but uh, I can tell you from a man's perspective, uh, a confident woman is very attractive to me. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the to the to the woman's side. What does a woman warrior look like? What? How does a woman warrior show up in the world? I think that digs a lot into the into the heart. The heart shows up a lot in a warrior woman. Um, you know, the the man's, you know, dominant feature is that power that like we talked about, and they they can use the power in a positive way, like I was just saying. But I think the woman's way is is through that heart digging into, you know, in a leadership way and digging into their people's, you know, their purpose, their why, helping them develop, you know, develop the the purpose and the why. And being able to say, you know, I guess bring that woman's touch, really. I mean, that's how you can best describe it is to to say, hey, let me nurture for a second and 
pull you out of this, and then let's grow from it. Right. Still using that strength. Just like yeah. we were talking about men's strengths yeah. and physical strength mm-hmm. and mission and purpose and masculinity. Yeah. Now using the feminine, which is more of a, a being, a receptivity, mm-hmm. a, a nurturing, like yeah. you said. An emotional And using strength. that as a, as a strong tool yeah. for good, for, for love in the world, you know, still using some, you know, lot logical, more masculine traits as well, but mm-hmm. using that, that, the feminine trait, the feminine strength of the nurturing and right. saying, okay, team, let's. Right. I, I know we're feeling this way right now because of the situation we're in, but let's look mm-hmm. at it this perspective. And how, how are you feeling about it now? Taking that compassion and empathy right. and wanting to hear other people's feelings about the subject and and putting a positive spin on it, mm-hmm. um, using it as a, as a positive instead of using it as a weapon. And right. going after somebody for control, it's more about the and. Right. Okay, how can we all with our emotions move forward in an and-like mm-hmm. environment to, to get us to a, a, a better emotional spot? Mm-hmm. And right? I think that's why we're starting to see um, women CEOs that are really successful. Women-run, mm-hmm. women-dominated businesses becoming very successful. And um, just that woman leadership is becoming so much more prevalent in today's society because they're using those strengths and it's really able to build, you know, a strong, powerful foundation for success. And they're, they're also um, providing a model for men in leadership, right? Mm-hmm. To say. Soften up a little bit. <laughs> well, to strengthen, <laughs> in a good to way. strengthen their emotional side, right. their compassion, empathy side right. to say, you can still be living in your, Mission and purpose and, and being your leader, but if you lead from the heart, as Mark Crowley says, yeah. and and be vulnerable and supportive in the and bring in the end with your people, that you can achieve achieve even better results than what you're doing today. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind yeah. of basis. And I think that a, a lot of ways that's what women are bringing to, to the workplace. And that was my thought is you compare and contrast the, the male-dominated business world of 70s 80s 90s right and before that even it was all male masculine dominated industry Mm -hmm. um up to pretty recent times and then like megan said females started to step on the scene and started to show hey this is actually a better style of leadership and you see a lot of companies going into that modern management and changing HR policies and updating them to be more sensitive to emotion and to loving on people rather than being abusive and leading from a fear perspective that used to be the norm. Right. So we're in an environment where women are getting more involved in the business world, they're getting more into leadership. So they're, they're working on their masculine side of their life while still bringing their strength of the feminine. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is then helping to show men they can do the opposite, right? Still right. have the, the masculine mission, purpose, leadership that's been going on for years, um, but do it in a more loving and empathetic mm-hmm. way with your people to achieve better results. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of, if we're paying attention, we're building each other because we're helping each other with um, the side of ourselves that it's not the dominant. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. 
right? So men are helping women with the more masculine side and the uh, feminines helping the masculine work on their feminine side, so to speak. Yeah. And I think kind of the example that has been popping in my head since we started talking about this was, um, I network with, um, a family law attorney and she is the definition of this because she is fiery go-getter, like Mm -hmm. extroverted, just attack in a good way. Um, but then she also, you know, outside of the courtroom, she's loving, nurturing, caring for her client because they're going through a terrible situation. So her heart's there with them, but the moment she steps in the courtroom, she is, she's bringing out that masculine side of, you know, I'm standing up for my client and I'm going to get her what she deserves. And that little bit more powerful state. So combining the, combining the two makes her an amazing family law attorney. <laughs> yeah. So, if, so if you go back to the, let's go, if we go back to that medieval King queen kind mm-hmm. of basis, right? If you have a, a king and queen that are truly loving to each other and they're ruling this kingdom, um, the the queen is going to bring the feminine side and the compassion and empathy to the husband and sort of sort of pull back his <laughs> some may go a little bit overboard in terms of his, you know, brute force, whatever right. with somebody. And in the same way, uh, the husband or the king's going to do for the queen in terms mm-hmm. of thinking logically in some issues as opposed to just doing it strictly on feeling mm-hmm. in order to find that balance. And that's how they can love and support each other right? Uh, from that aspect. All right. Um, leadership styles and business we touched on a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. love, love warriors, so to speak, come at it from a servant leadership perspective, right? Well, and you see the love-based leaders and, you know, they love what they do. They, you know, they have, they, they're living a purpose. They're living a why and continue to do that. It's the exact opposite of those who were fearful of be, you know, the ones that just amassed wealth, like we talked about earlier and went into just this state of no purpose and angry all the time. Right. Um, it's putting others first. It's saying, what can I do to help you? Right. If an employee's struggling, it's not, well, we need to let you go. or We're going to cut your hours or we're going to cut your pay or demote you. But it's first, how can we improve? How can I help you so that you and I, like you were saying before, mm-hmm. can succeed? Yeah. How can we tr- dr- uh, draw out your best talents and skills and be creative? Right. And bring forth your best effort for the business and the team. Right. Knowing that all of us as a team are going to get better and better and better out of this effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, by the way, I'm going to get recognition for that because of the way that mm-hmm. I led my team. I don't have to carry the whole burden right. by myself as a team and get all the credit. Credit's going to come. But I'm going to lead with a people-first mentality, um, knowing that those results will come. And then we, all of us, will get a positive outcome in our careers out of it. And it's the leader that makes his his or her team feel special. They receive credit. They don't just get recognized when they do wrong and get reprimanded. But, you know, here's how you've contributed. Here's how you helped us win. 
and recognizing that, not just, you know, a leader beating their chest and saying, oh, look at me, I did this. It's, mm-hmm. we did this. I'm here because of my team. I'm here because of what they did. So I'm going to take a lot of my credit and shift it to them. Not just, I'm just the best leader in the world and I did all this and give me all the praise. Well, the biggest thing they're providing is an atmosphere of safety and trust, right? right. I, I feel safe. I have enough trust and I feel safe enough that we're if we're in a team meeting, I can express my viewpoints without repercussions. Right. I can contribute to this to this team. If I if I need to be vulnerable about something, then I I, I feel safe and and there's enough trust in it from all my team members and my leader that it'll be respected and listened to and considered. Right. Uh, from that standpoint. Right. All right. What about from a parenting style? I think it's very much the same thing. Like you just said, it's creating a culture of trust. It's creating a culture of you're safe. Um, If a kid does screw up, it's teaching them a lesson, not just punishing them. It's coaching them. It's coaching. It's Mm -hmm. what I was saying earlier. I've always been impressed when I see um, people we hang out with that we're friends with and the way some of them interact with their kids where they screw up and I'm going, I would be, you know, even I would be livid <laughs> and they're calm, cool, collected and just, they have a conversation with their kid and it, you can just see this totally different light, but the child actually learns a lesson and understands the why behind they should, why they should or should mm-hmm. not do that. Um, and I, it, it creates much more personal growth for that, for that child. Right. So every behavior decision has a consequence. A right. consequence can either be positive or negative. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just like you said, that kind of parroting style, helping them to see the why out of the decision making starts coaching them and giving them a, a tool they can use throughout their life and being able to, before they make a big decision, think through, okay, what's the consequence of my decision? Right. It creates a high level of respect that the kids end up having for their parents. I can speak personally on that. I have a very high level of respect for my parents because I'll be honest with you, they, they, I think they did a fantastic job as parents for us. I mean, did they have moments where they screwed up and probably got a little more angry than they should have? Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody has those moments. But the true essence of their parenting was that level of um, punishment with a purpose but also not so strict that I had to walk on eggshells all the time. Like mm-hmm. there was some freedom. And as we got older, we developed more of that independence and freedom. It was definitely a, a growth um, environment and always supportive, you know, supportive of my goals and dreams. Um, not just this is our household. This is how we run it. And your, you know, your input isn't received. It was very much, you know, but a key, democracy. If you right. But your key words were your dreams. Yeah. They're not projecting Mm-mm. things that they weren't able to do or their own dreams onto right. their kids. I mean, there's, sometimes there's this mentality of, um, okay, you came from our DNA, so you must therefore be built just like us. Mm-hmm. So you must have the same <laughs> desires, dreams, skills, talents, everything that that either myself or or my spouse, you know, whether it's Mm -hmm. husband or wife, possess. 
Um, and so you have to fit in this mold as opposed to saying this human beings born into the world, they're going to have their own skill sets and talents, which may be totally opposite of what yours is. They're going to have their own dreams. And so my role as a parent is to cultivate that, support it, love it, right. and give you the tools necessary when you become an adult to go make good decisions for yourself mm -hmm. uh, in your efforts to go on your mission or purpose or whatever your dreams are in life. Right. As opposed to, I always wanted to be a ballerina, so therefore you're going to be a ballerina. Right. I'm going to live my life through you. Uh, when that's the last thing that the, the child wants to do is be a ballerina. Right. All right, guys, that's uh, been a great discussion today. Ho hopefully it gives some palpability, if you will, for folks as to what, what, is, what does that look like in life right. uh, and why we're, we're so passionate about this underlying decision that sits at the very foundation of our life about love versus fear is that it has major ramifications of how life turns out for you and what you attract into your life. Um, from that standpoint, any any closing comments, Zach or Megan? I'd say let's go be warriors. Let's go be warriors. Let's go be warriors. Yeah. I mean, more coming. so let's go support others to be warriors, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Leaders create leaders and great leadership comes out of love. Lead from the heart. And, you know, it, if through listening to this, you're, you're on the journey with us and you say, man, I really feel like I might be the fighter. Dig in, um, use the resources, try to connect with us um, over the platforms we're on and, you know, really self-develop and learn to love, learn to lead by love. And it's not going to be overnight, but, you know, choose to make that transition. It is a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. And the choice begins with a, a decision or an intention, as we talked about, yep. not to have fear. Um in our life or, or run our life and go in and doing what's necessary to go heal the fears, to turn it into love um, within your life um, in whatever manner is appropriate, depending on what your fear is, you know, whether it's with therapy or life coaches or some means to find a supportive environment in order to go do some healing in yep. your life. Okay, that's going to wrap up our episode um, today. We thank you for uh, joining us immensely. Um, next episode, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're bringing in um, two gentlemen, uh, father and son, uh, that both went the corporate to entrepreneur route uh, in their careers, and, and the father was an inspiration or a model, if you will, for the son um, in that. So it's going to be very interesting conversation to get their take about their own lives and generating value and um, what are, what are the obstacles and challenges in being an entrepreneur in this world? So we hope you um, join us for that um, episode. Um, but in the meantime, have a great day. Thanks for joining us today. Again, we know your time's at a premium and we appreciate you spending it with us. Go out in the world. Um, be an and and a warrior in this world. And Zach, Megan, and I are cheering you on from the seats in your arena to do that. So have a great day and a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Generate Your Value podcast. Take care.
Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online at Primerica.com slash Brian with a Y, Z Levy, the Facebook and LinkedIn platforms. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on the LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram platforms. Simply search for Generate Your Value. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world.